going on, everybody? And uh, welcome. You know, I don't want to say all those other podcasts talking books. It's not, I don't even know what this is anymore. <laughs> what even is this, Nick? We've I don't know. What, what even are we doing? <laughs> uh, we're just talking at this point. We're just, we're just chatting. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, welcome to uh, my YouTube channel, my BookTube channel. Yeah. BookTube channel. I'm going to call it BookTube now. Dude, it still makes me want to throw up every time I say it. it it's, it's such a disgusting word to me. I don't, I don't know why. I, I, I've had so many people that uh, like recommend booktubers, uh, do like unboxings and reviews and stuff. And I mean, I can imagine that I would hate watching myself do it, like after I record it. But like, I can't watch other people like books. It's weird. <laughs> really? I can watch people talk about like the writing process, but I can't watch people talk about books. Okay, I get that actually. Like, there's no, it's like reviews are like more of like a like I guess like a personal thing. You're like, oh yeah, like I this is that. Well, my experience with some of the book is talking yeah. about writing is kind of like, oh, this is like the business side. Everyone wants to hear about people talk about business. Yeah, I mean, you know, like like I like I write reviews, but like I don't know mm -hmm. if I could string together a sentence like recording myself because when I sit there and write reviews. I write a bunch of crap and then I go, does that sound good? And I'll erase all of it and redo it. And so yeah. I imagine that I would have to do so much editing on this. And, and as you know, from the podcast, I don't edit squat. So <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I, I saw the brilliant edit. <laughs> yeah. I, I've, I've, I've edited everything. What are you talking about? Yeah, exactly. This is edited right now. This is jump cut right there. <laughs> yeah. I need to have that, uh, I always point the wrong way. I need to have yeah. that little thing that like comes down the center, like uh, like Daniel B. Green does, where he has like the sword or whatever come down the center. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm not yeah. quite sure. I don't watch yeah. anything on YouTube really besides YouTube. Dude, I don't either. I, I think I have uh, I've subscribed to like three things now, which is uh, which uh, I subscribed to Josh Gad because he's doing this like Lord of the Rings like reunion thing. Uh, I think it's on the third. You don't know about that. It, it, go to Josh Gad's YouTube channel. <laughs> okay, I'll check that. And uh, and there's this guy in Australia that does like insane cooking videos. You may have seen. I want to say his name is like Nat something. No, I totally wrong. But he's like this like tatted up like skater looking guy with like long hair, and he's just like in his kitchen. And like half of the whole, like half of the video is just like him cursing about how people don't know how to make stuff. And then he just like throws stuff in a pan and it's delicious. Like it's, it's, the, it's the best. Okay. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, I, I know you too. There's an Australian man who makes cheese. It's just very long videos of this very like calm and uh, calm man making cheese. And I'm like, like I was so like, I watched it at the beginning of quarantine and I'm like, I can't get any of this shows to make cheese right now. Like I need like these specialty like pots and like these skimmers and like you have to leave it out and then there's like yeah. these like chemicals you gotta put in and I'm like this is very calming. This man is just making cheese. Like he so makes like, like watching very long videos that like don't really get anywhere quickly. Kind of like the the marble race, dude. That that like I lost like an entire day to that. Like that was like I like I really just lost way too much time to those marbles. They were like. They, he literally just makes courses. It's like yeah. it's like you took like a six year old kid and said, "What do you want your dream job to be?" And he's like, "I'm gonna race marbles for a living." It was fantastic. 
Yeah. Uh, have you seen the, the newest one? The guy made the uh, obstacle course in his backyard for squirrels. No, but I'm going to after this. Yeah, it's uh, I say it's like half an hour, and he has he has built it to where they can only go up this like one pole to get to the first obstacle, and he follows like three or four squirrels over the course of like a couple of days to where they have to get to the end of it, and when they like hit this like little um like trap door, all these walnuts come out. But like they end up learning the course in a matter of a couple of days and can finish it in like forty seconds. <laughs> Literally, it's nuts. <laughs> I didn't even mean to make that pun. Routine's <laughs> bringing out a lot of interesting. Things. It really is. It yeah. There's a lot of like weird stuff that everybody is watching because they have nothing else to do. Uh, yeah. Oh, well. Anyone who's got Netflix shows coming out right now is like really ecstatic. Was well, HBO, HBO Max just came out? And, oh, did it? Uh, I started I started binge watching Adventure Club. <laughs> I've never seen that actually. You should. If you, have, if you have if you have HBO Max, I mean the episodes are like eleven minutes a piece. I mean it's like super. Oh, cool. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I'll have to check. Short finish, Yeah. <laughs> what were you gonna say about Netflix? Oh no! Like I feel like a lot of TV execs are like ecstatic that their show is coming out during the quarantine because like a lot of shows I feel like that may have been like skipped over or not hit like like uh, let's say the top ten or whatever Netflix has right now are suddenly like they're shooting up there being like everyone's gonna watch it because there's nothing else to do besides watch TV. Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, my wife and I were telling the other day, you know, like they have all these shows coming out, and you know they have all these stuff that was filmed six months ago like i know the rock like just had a season two of like titan games or whatever come out and they have like ultimate tag show i'm like well obviously that was before the pandemic so yeah. like, what are they doing or what have they been doing the past like two plus months and what will they continue to because eventually they're gonna run out of stuff that's that's what it is like you, know, you ever watch survivor yeah this is like the first time they're not filming a season right now they do not have like a season film and everyone's just like is there actually going to be one in the fall which is mind-boggling. I remember when I was watching that. It's been on for like, what, 20 years or something? Every like two, twice a year? There's not, there may not be a Survivor season this fall. Because of the pandemic. I know, there's, there's a lot of people really upset there's not going to be like a bachelor, Bachelorette season two. Oh, my heart. I'm going to lose out on my... I'm going to lose out on my Bachelorette bracket this year. My wife's actually okay with this. She only started watching it a couple of years ago. Because um, so she used to do pageants. She used to do Miss Alabama pageants. Mm -hmm. uh, she was actually in pageants with Hannah Brown that was on a couple of years ago, and then became the Bachelorette. Okay, and I got into it because of that, and then uh, and then she found out like what the season was going to be. She goes, you know, I don't really know if I want to watch it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's not happening. And she goes, I'm okay with it because <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sick and tired of watching it because it's year round. Did you you should watch the show i forget what it's called but it's uh from the bachelor producers they made like a spoof on the bachelor like a drama show but it's mm. all these bachelor producers so they, this is what they kind of actually did but they're playing it off for laughs like oh this is all drama when you're out you're like no this is what the bachelor producers actually did they like manipulate things behind the scenes they like twist people's judgment they like do things for dramatic effects it's just like I kind of respect it on some level of like, look, people work hard, but the bachelor producers work harder. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Because they, they've got to, they've got to like, you know, make sure like the, they have all these little cliffhangers. They're like writers. I mean, you know, like authors mm-hmm. and stuff. They have all these cliffhangers right at the end of episodes or like right at commercial breaks to kind of hook you to come back. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I can, I can understand why there's such a fandom for it, but it is. You got it. Thing. I, but <laughs> I, I got to the point and, uh, and, and the pandemic kind of brought this out is that I, uh, I really enjoy watching people crash and burn. I don't, that says a lot about me, but like we watched, uh, I think it's called Love Is Blind and Married at First Sight. No, I haven't watched either of those. Like, everything seems to be going so great, and then like episode three hits, and it's like all hell breaks loose. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm here for it. <laughs> you, okay, you want me to tell you about the trashiest show ever? And I love yeah. it. I have to paraphrase it by saying I love this show. My girlfriend loved this show. My roommate loved the show. We all love this show. It's called um temptation island and the premise of (laughs) it's already great from there so the premise of the show is that they put like four couples onto an island with like 10 singles of like whatever uh, 10 uh like 20 singles separate them into like all right one half couple here uh how goes here here's 10 singles per group that are just literally their job is to like tempt you out of your relationship that is the entire show it's just like these single people tempting these people to commit relationships and the entire time they're like, but I'm really, I'm really in love with my other person. And they're just like, you're, this is not how you've been acting since episode three. Like you <laughs> clearly are just do, making stuff up. It is the trashier show, trashier than Bachelor, trashier than like Love is Blind or all these things. And I love it. It's so bad, but I, I will always watch this show. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, my wife was watching. It was like the UK version of something like that. You know, they had like all these people, like all these like gorgeous people that were supposed to all be, you know, in a house or whatever. Yeah. You're supposed to couple up, and if you don't, you get booted. But they had oh, yeah. where like I think it was, I think it's on Netflix where like it's supposed to be like all these like very attractive like Instagram models and stuff, and they all get put in a house but they can't be intimate with each other. Oh yeah, I saw that. I didn't actually, I haven't seen it. But like, you gotta respect it. Like they're coming up. Can you imagine all of like the tension between? Yeah. I haven't watched an episode, but like I can just imagine like how like, especially for the guys. Dude, I like, I love all of it. Like all these shows I adore. Like there was a show called The Circle, which is literally, The Circle was great. I love all these shows where it's just like I can turn my brain off and be like, all right, let's watch what these people are going to do now. What's, yeah, what's going to happen? I feel, like, I feel like that's all we can do to the pandemic because, man, I, I can't turn my brain off for much. Like, I, I it takes me where it would take me like a day to get through a book. It's taking me like weeks to get books. Yeah. Like, I can turn, you know, I can turn my mind off. Watch before or stuff like these where, you know, it just makes me feel better about my situation. Yeah. <laughs> It's the same with like writing. Like I'm writing slower than I normally do. Really? I'm just like, yeah. Uh, I like, and I, part of it, I like two weeks ago I handed in my second book, so I didn't really I had to write faster. Right. Uh, but I'm working on book three right now. And I'm like, I'm going slower than I normally do. Um, it just, it's just because of what's going on. Where you're like, all right, so everything's stressful. So yeah, I mean, I mean, are you, are you fi- are you finding it slow? just because of the pandemic or are you finding it slow because of like material or do you just feel like you have like 
of its time that you're like, ah, I can, I can ride it. It's on. <laughs> I mean, so technically, like, so I, I got my first book got delayed like eight months. Uh, it was supposed to, and then it got delayed because of the pandemic. So I'm really used to delays. Um, but so like, but my my third book is technically due in September, I think, uh, like this September. And like I've I've got like over a hundred thousand words on it, so I have plenty of time to finish it if need be. Um, but I made so many changes in my second book. I got to fix my third book, so I got to like cut like probably twenty, thirty thousand words at least out of it. Um, so on that hand, I'm like, this is going to be terrible to do. Um, then I got to write my ending. But no, so like it's just going slowly because uh, probably just all the stress of the pandemic, book release things. Uh, I I always know where I'm going in story wise. Like I think I've said this before, but I planned my entire series backwards. Yeah. So like my ending is the first thing I came up with, um, and then I have to re- retroactively figure out how we got there. Right. So like I know exactly where I'm going. Like this is easy. I'm writing my ending for my third book right now. I'm like, ah, we're good. That was a long winded answer. I mean, you know, everybody's obviously different, and I'm sure. The pandemic's affected people differently, but I know even from the panels we did during the convention, like you know, especially during the uh, the the writing process, one with you know Cole and Brett and all that. Yeah. Every single one of them is like, you know, it all comes down to what's going on in that time that you're writing, because everybody's affected by different things. They're affected differently by those. Mm-hmm. Things. Um, you know, because you know Cole was talking about how when he was writing the Sacred Throne uh, trilogy that. You know, he was going through a breakup and he was like writing a scene out and he goes, oh my gosh, like, now I know why I wrote this. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Like, you don't really think about those kind of things just coming to the forefront in your writing all the time. Uh, and, yeah. I, you know, the, you know, maybe some writers, like, you know, like maybe like a sense of loneliness through the pandemic, you know, not be able to have like a social life and stuff. Which let, let's be honest, not not many writers have social lives. I mean, everybody. How could <laughs> engaging social life? All these things. Uh, right. <laughs> Obviously, um, but you know, like you know, those, those kind of like feelings and stuff are probably going to come out more in their writing right now than it maybe would have you know six months ago, uh, just because yeah. of like, the feelings and the emotions they're going through during this whole time and not really knowing what the next couple of weeks or months are going to look like. Yeah, like, uh, that's kind of how, like, in a lot, like, two points, I guess. So, like, in my second book, I I had written a villain who I wanted to be, like, just, like, mustache twirling, like, oh, man, this guy is so evil. Like, he can't be anything. And then he said, and then, and then I got something right. Like, he said something so evil that someone said something similar to the point I had to, like, contact my editors being like, can I have a character say this anymore? And it was the strangest email I've ever sent. Because I'm like, I made this character so obnoxiously evil, I shouldn't be having to question something you say. But here we are. And then we have to go back and forth on things for a bit. Um, but no, the, the pandemic is bringing out different things in my writing, at least. Like, a lot, because there's not much certainty, uh, even contract-wise or, like, book-wise. I'm like, how am I ending this third book now? Like, I know how I wa- always wanted to end it. But is this the right way to end it now? Should I try to leave it more final than I want it to? Should I leave it a little more open ended? Uh, do I do my original ending with it? Um, because look, you know, no one with stuff with freelance, no one knows where the next contract's coming from right now. 
Yeah. Yeah, I guess you kind of have to like shelve a few options depending on how you know the next one does and so forth. Especially, yeah. especially you know, still being kind of well, man, you're still in your debut stage. <laughs> Dude, my book hasn't even been out a month yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, and and you know, on top of things changing, you know, based on the pandemic. I mean, obviously, also being a young author and still kind of perfecting your craft because you'll be doing that for. Yeah. I don't feel like anybody's ever perfected unless you write the same book over and over again and just change some plot points. But um, yeah, I mean, I can imagine it's just going to evolve no matter what. So yeah, and um, at least the thing I've been noticing, like my second book, was deal- dealt with a lot of different things. My first, uh, I, I I think I've said this before on like Twitter, like my first book was very much a book of someone who finds their way. Like that's the that's the theme of that book is find my way. And the second book is all about revenge and things. And I'm looking, I'm looking at things I wrote in my second book now. I'm like, was I in an okay place? Like, there's this one scene where I'm like, this is pretty brutal. Um, but like, yeah, it just. And then the third book, like, a lot of these like feelings of like coming back together. Where it's like, all right, I've grown as a writer. So what happens in this next stage? Like, how does this affect my characters? Like, how does this affect how I view the story as a whole? And you know, we constantly writers constantly get better and better and better and better so yeah i mean you would hope you would hope it gets better oh you hope you get better like, i don't <laughs> think anyone wants to you know people start with the debut and you're like you know what tank it <laughs> yeah yeah and like i think you have you the the pressure of writing once you go from being like an unknown you well, people have said this like you have like decades or years to perfect your first novel it comes out and then the moment you get deadlines you're like it's a real hard moment for writers to adjust to because you're suddenly like, all right, here's a year. Well, I just threw a pen across the room by a total accident. Uh, <laughs> you suddenly have a year to you suddenly have a year to um, perfect this novel to the same degree that you got your first, and it's hard. Like it is. Um, I I had an easier time with my second book than a lot of other writers did, from what I've heard. Uh, and we'll see if that makes it worse or better. I have no idea. I like my second book more than my first, but. I'm also a little biased. Like I, I just finished it, so I'm like, yeah, it's perfect. Really, yeah. yeah, I get yeah. to see. I'm it's not gonna require any editing. I mean, it's it's perfect. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm seeing cover art for my second book now. I'm like, yeah, this is this book. It's, it's, uh, really it's real good. <laughs> like my the second cover art, uh, the the US and the UK versions actually have a pretty good play on each other. So it's it's excite. I'm excited for those when they like get finalized and go out. Gets to talk about the title. Title's technically out there, uh, but the title is the title's cool. Everything's. I'm very excited for it to be out there. So, I mean, I guess the plan for it's is it 2021? Are you? Are you are yeah. No, it's uh, it's March March 2021. Okay, less than a year away. Yeah. Hopefully, the pandemic doesn't have a resurgence. Yeah, like that's the thing. Like the <laughs> pandemic, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hit with the pandemic twice, and be like, oh, next book's coming out. Way too, and it's eventually. <laughs> yeah, every time I release a book, there's gonna be another wave. This yeah, gonna, yeah exactly. gonna ride the wave my entire career. <laughs> oh man! All right, so obviously, guys, we've been uh, we've been rambling a little bit. We can talk about books a little bit, but um, as you can see over there, so I've got uh, UK and man, I, I the camera. I'm never gonna be able to get this and. The- <laughs> <laughs> of, uh, of, his, uh, of Nick's debut novel, The Kingdom of Liars. Uh, and Nick is going to be so kind 
to read an excerpt from it. Yeah. I that he was going to read from, uh, from book two, but, uh, you know, he's not, he, he's not ready yet. I, I don't know if I can. Like, my book's not even out in the U.S. Like, I was actually thinking about this while. That's between you and your editor and your publisher. <laughs> I'm like, can I read from this book? It's not out. Like, the first one's not out. Is it just, like, a massive spoiler? Um, but I'm just going to read from book book one. Um, okay. Uh, so to give some context behind this, this is about, what is it, uh, 50 or so pages into the book. Um, pretty much before this, it's, you know, Michael's being kind of, um, a unique person, um, and it's a lot of setup for what Michael's normal life has been like, how the city operates, and what is going on in the background behind this thing. And this is Michael, essentially, he's just lied to his friend about going somewhere more dangerous uh, than he was going to, and this is kind of a, at a festival for um, his ancestors. And it's kind of Michael coming to terms with what is going on in the world and bad things happen, I guess. All right. Excuse me, I'm going to take a drink of this giant jug for a second. I don't have a glass. Uh, all right. So this is uh, chapter six uh, The Chained Executioner. Do you know who's being executed this Kingman Day yet? Not this year. No. I only ever knew if I went to a bakery the day before. They were always gossiping at the latest noble drama there, and I never truly cared. Either the person being executed for treason was a rebel, or they weren't. And the fact that their guilt wasn't always that clear made me feel sick, as did the royals and high nobles who had turned a day uh, they once meant to celebrate my family, and today my brother stood in front of a crowd and executed others. The high nobles didn't even attend, always preferring to watch from a distance. It's low noble Philip Grossman. I knew him. Sirosh and I had conned him a few weeks ago when he had first arrived in the hollow for the endless waltz. He'd been one of the easiest targets, and his aim was atrocious. His hands had shook more than a wet dog trying to get dry during the mock duel. What's the charge? I asked. Transportation of firearms from New Drake on City to Hollow for the tent to sell. Um, he recited carefully. Low noble Grossman oversees grain farmers. I doubt he's smart enough to smuggle guns in the hall, let alone sell them. The royals wouldn't charge him with treason if it wasn't true. If you say so, I said, letting the conversation go, knowing Jamal saw these executions more as a form of entertainment than a representation of justice. Probably because he and Trey had grown up hating and envying the nobility. It had taken Trey years to call me a friend, longer still before he let me meet his brother. Trey will be uh, fine today, you know. I know. I've just been worried about it ever since your mother died. He seems to be handling it, uh, trailed off, unable to find the right word. Ma was always addicted to Blackberry, Jamal said. He's protecting me from her outburst, the stealing and the rest of it. When she died, I don't know. I think he's trying to find his place in the world. We survived the east side. Now he's had a chance to do more than that. Something else Trey and I had in common. Unlike my actual brother, he may have bowed to nobility, and I never would. He won't, she, he won't tell me how she died, I said. Me neither. Just how she died like she lived, alone and only caring about herself. Didn't she steal food from you when you two were when you were young? Every day. Then I suppose she deserved her fate, just like my father, I said, as we neared the large crowds for the execution. Kingman Day used to be held in the Great Stone Square on the aisle, or in front of the castle in the other quarter. But since it became a spectator event where rebel nobles met the axe, 
they decided to hold it somewhere the nobility never went. Luckily, no one on the east side cared, seeing it as a business opportunity. The children, in particular, were always selling pointy rocks, rotten vegetables, and fresh dung in such large quantities, it made me wonder where they got their stock from. Aside from the dung, it certainly wasn't coming from their own district. The militia quarter had been stripped clean of anything that could turn a profit. The militia quarter was one of the oldest districts in the city, having been ballot back when Hollow was founded. The buildings were a motley mess of different materials, having been hit by moonfall more than any other part of the city. Everything in the quarter was misplaced and run down, from the broken cobbles that could pierce uh, shoes to the cracked and pothole-ridden roads. Sirach and his brother worked in one of the bakeries, although, as it was Kingman Day, the baking was all done in advance so they could enjoy the festivities. I was thankful they were all, there were no masks depicting my ancestors this year. The ones meant to look like my father didn't, and still made me angry. As part of the day, an archivist was regaling the crowd with a stupidly detailed list of all the historical mistakes uncovered in the past year, deciding what the truth truly was. When it became clear they weren't going to slander my family again this year, I ignored the rest of the scandalous noble drama. We should get a good spot for the execution, Jamal said. I want to hear the rebel's last words. I want to know if he feels remorseful for what he did and who he helped in his last breaths. Usually they just cried. You don't want to get food rations, I asked. Jamal shook his head. If I show up with rations later, Trey won't be able to pretend we went fishing. We've been enjoying the king's diet lately. I wouldn't want to ruin a terrible thing, you know. Besides, the line was too long. By the time we got up all there, all the bread would be gone. Do you want something to throw? Jamal took a few rocks from his pocket with a smile. Brought my own. The children always charge so much for them. We only charge an iron try to stone. But now they cost two. It's robbery. Jealous? Asked Jamal said with a roll of his eyes. Since Trey is trying to learn how to use fabs. When are you going to? I'm not. But you're a kingman, and you have to catch lightning like the unnamed kingman could. You can't catch lightning. Fabrications don't work like that. At best, you could create some lightning of your own if that was your specialization, but Jamal shushed me loudly. Let me have my kingman stories. Hearing them from my ma was the best. And if I have to be friends with the lamest kingman ever, let me at least pretend you might be a legend one day. You only want me to be a legend to get into the stories yourself. Yeah, he said. Best chance to be remembered with someone other than you and Trey. I rubbed my arm. I'm still not sorry you're a fabricator, Jamal. Me too, but it makes sense. Trey's only a fab because his dead beat father was a high noble. My father was a fisherman. Not a drop of magic in his blood. Sadly, not all men are created equal. I, he looked at me, serious now. Don't feel sorry for me. I may be, not be a fat, but you are, so you should learn how to use them. Then I can be remembered too. If only it was that simple. My ancestors were titans, insurmountable by any mortal, and the older I got, the less it seemed the three of us could ever be remembered as fondly as they were, or if we'd be a generation without greatness only remembered for allowing the kingman name to survive when it should have died with my father. Weren't we going to meet your friend and his brother, Jamal said after I'd grown quiet. They're saving us seats in the Coliseum. Close to the stage? Not too close. I don't want to actually end up in line for the axe. I'd save you. Oh, would you? You'd charge to the crowds and fight the militia. Obviously, Jamal said as he flexed his muscles. They had to send ravens to slow me down. Oh, of course they would. Don't believe me. Just wait. If you're ever in trouble, I'll save you. That's a promise. 
I'll even bring Trey. I had a hard time containing my laughter. Trey? Never. It would take nothing short of a war when you were in trouble to get him into the public eye. Jamal glanced at me. At least I'd try. Maybe he'd agree if I begged. I'll believe it when I see it. We made our way through the crowds into the Coliseum, which was a marvel of stone construction, taller than the walls that guarded the city maintained as perfectly as the high noble keeps. Some archivists claimed it had been built before the Wolven Kings lost control of Hollow, but I had always doubted that. It didn't show hundreds of year wear and tear. If anything, it looked new. Most of the crowd gathered around the stage in the center of the Coliseum. We went up the stairs towards the top instead. Sirash and his adopted brother RJ waved us over. RJ had two loaves of bread and a bag of candy nuts in his hands. You took two you two took your sweet time getting here. You're worried you'd miss it, Sirash says we sat down. Forget the way. Michael's late, Jamal said. RJ snickered. Nothing unusual then. Sirash handed Jamal's own bag of candy nuts to the boys' excitement, and he and RJ began to compare their bags. They gave Sirash a nod of thanks and he smiled in response. He knew he knew from experience how little little luxuries were to those who had very little. What are the chances of us conning in our noble before the endless waltz begins? He asked. Minimal, I said. The two lobos are arriving today from the outskirts. Do you know their names? I shook my head. We'd have to be lucky to find them. We're rarely lucky. A pause. Winter's going to be rough this year, especially if the supply carriers from Hollow get uh, less frequent. I'll help when I can. I'm always around to Nick Wood from the nobility's gardens. Like you have a choice, he said, nudging me with his shoulder. Family looks after family. Always. A pause. Gwen's suggestion had been banned back had been at the back of my mind all morning. Sirash, if I had the chance to help a lot of people, but it meant they had to compromise beliefs, should I do it? You just said a lot and nothing all at the same time. I could earn a lot of money by working for a high note. Which one, he asked. Domain the deranged. Shit, he said. Do you want to get a drink later? That won't be a quick conversation. Yeah, I'd like that. Thanks, Sirash. Before I could steal some candy nuts from Jamal, my brother was climbing the stairs to the executioner's block. Dressed in black with a serrated greatsword in his hands. He had a list of names tattooed on his right arm, a record of all the nobles he had executed so someone would remember them. He had the names of, a, of his lower class victims, peasants and merchants, on his back. I had never seen it, but I suspected there was little unmarked skin left. Leon stood in front of the block, flanked by a monk with each church ready to record the rebel's last words. He faced the crowd and let the point of his sword hover above the ground. As he looked down, the trees and brand above his eyebrow was exposed for everyone to see, so as there was no mistaking that the nobility had made a kingdom their puppet. With my brother in place, his noble victim would arrive quickly. Sure enough, I heard vegetables and rocks splattering against flesh before I saw him. The crowds cleared a path for him and his escort as they pelted the rebel with everything they had. To give him some credit, he didn't scream or curse the crowd as, he, as some did. He only wef, wept soft and steadily with every step he took. I got a better look at him once he reached the platform, similar in age to me, bruises plentiful under his loose rags, and eyes that had long since abandoned hope. His female scales escort chained him to the executioner's block as my brother stepped forward, cleared his throat, and then said, I am here on behalf of King Isaac to execute low noble Philip Grossman on charges of treason, smuggling, and improper handling of financial records. Low noble Grossman, do you have anything to say? Lonable Grossman tried to compose himself for a moment, then, in a strained voice, said, I didn't do it. 
I didn't do it. Tell my parents I didn't do it. Tell them to remember me, please. Please, I don't want to be forgotten. God, be merciful. I don't want to die. Please, please. Leon raised the sword above the noble's neck. You will not be forgotten. Your name will live on, even if your body does not. My brother was efficient. He had been executing nobles, uh, people for years, and he severed the noble's head in one clean strike. There was a splatter of blood and a thump as the head dropped into the bucket, followed by the lull of noise that always came after death, before the crowd started hollering and cheering. Jamal won the loudest. Leon cleaned his sword with careful, precise movements and dropped the rag over the basket to hide the head. He picked it up and was gone before the escort who had led the noble to the block had recovered from the shock of seeing an execution. Lots of blood this time, Jamal said. There's always a lot of blood, Shroff stated. You think they'd have a less, find a less messy way to do it, RJ said. The blood is the least of today's worries, I said darkly, getting to my feet. With the excitement over, we made our way to the ground and began to leave the Coliseum. You don't think the rebels would be stupid enough to attack Hollow, do you? Jamal asked. How can they not, I counted. How many rebels do we execute or hang every week? A dozen? Two dozen? How long before we killed so many they... I didn't finish my sentence. A man with the rebel symbol of the closed red fist painted on his face and a sword in his hand emerged from the crowds. He cut down one of the monks in a fluid motion and shouted, Long live David Kingman. The rebels closed his eyes and tilted his head back before exploding into a brilliant blue flame. I was frozen as I watched it happen, wondering why a fabricator had turned rebel and hoping Jamal and RJ were still behind me. When his fire touched the stage, multiple explosions rocked the pristine Coliseum in the twisted and broken streets of the militia quarter beyond. As we were blown back, the Coliseum cracked and crumbled around us. The people trapped inside screamed desperate, pained wails as thick black smoke covered everything. Angela had been right. The rebels had come to destroy the city, as they had in the bear. The last thing I remembered was being thrown by the blast, my face skinning across the shattered stones, wondering what death would be like. All right, and then things go work from there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then, no, then it's a happy ending, right? <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's a it's a happy ending, kind of. Yeah. No, kind of. It's, it's an ending. Uh, <laughs> So it's yeah, an ending to a book that leads into another book. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's very much uh, it's an ending that leads into another book. That's the perfect way to describe it. <laughs> so uh, I mean, you you've done a couple of readings now, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you feel about doing readings? It's like a skill you gotta practice it. Yeah. I don't know if I'm any good at it, to be honest. I'm just gonna keep doing it until someone. I thought you did fine. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you, you'll either you'll either do it until somebody tells you not to. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And it's just like how many times can I do a reading until someone finally says, "No, stop doing this. You're bad." It's uh, like, you know what, Nick? Just uh, just talk about the book. Answer some questions. Yeah. Look, that's the dream, actually. If I ever, you ever get popular enough where you don't have to do a reading, where you can just be like, "Let me ask, let me answer questions about my world." That's the dream. That's the absolute dream. Like, ever seen like Sanderson and them do it? Like he's just like, "I'll do a reading, maybe." Gonna, or would you rather me answer questions? And they're always yeah. like, yeah. And he's just like, oh yeah, let's answer some questions. Yeah. What you need, what you need to do is you need to, uh, you, you need to get a few more books out, and then, or what you need, you need two series, and so that way yeah. people can ask questions about both, and then maybe you want to do readings anymore. Exactly. You're, you're you're still green. You can't. I know. <laughs> you can't get by without it yet. <laughs> right now, I'm like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta keep reading. Let me figure out what I'm reading this time. 
So I don't want to exactly. keep doing the prologue over and over again. So. I mean, the prologue is great, though. But the yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, every time somebody's going to Google, it's just you read the prologue. Yeah. <laughs> you got like exactly. 10 different videos reading the same thing. <laughs> That's why I was like, oh, man, should I read something different, say, like from a different book? And I was like, can't read book two yet, sadly. Maybe I, mean, I mean, you could, but just wouldn't do it live and it wouldn't I, get posted. I literally can't read the first line of book two. <laughs> Like I can, I was looking, there was this like Twitter thing going around being like, oh, what's the current thing? Like re retreat the dialogue tag that like you just finished writing. And I looked down and I'm like, massive spoiler. Look at the next one. Massive spoiler. Look at the next one. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't just type. Yeah. Like this is I'm just like, and then he walked down the road. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's kind of what it is. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's, and then I was like, maybe I just read something that I'm not even contracted for. Be like, I got this other thing I'm working on, so maybe I should read that. So, uh, so you're working on another, uh, I guess, fantasy like series or standalone or uh, standalone. Uh, I'm very, I very, I want to make this one a standalone. Uh, I've been working on it for a bit. Um, my agent's seen the first chapter of it and he liked it. Um, but who knows when I'll actually try to get it contracted. I've got a title for it, I've got a pitch for it. Um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's not anything like what I currently write. Uh, okay. It's more. I don't know. Let me. I'm trying to think of how do I describe it. It's. It's kind of like if you mashed um, American Gods and Heart Shaped Box together. I guess is like the. I, the, the like I guess how I'm selling it. Okay. Uh, yeah. It's it's it, it, the title of it's called Death and Other Cures. Um, so it's it's. I, I like the I like the title. Thank you. I feel like I'm good and, at titles. You know, I'm really interested to know how you're going to match those two things together. Look, look, I shoot big. Sometimes I land, sometimes I don't. I've always got to shoot for the stars. I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, other than that, working on book two, handing it in. Uh, it's coming out March 2021. The song is doesn't get delayed. Like, that's that's really what it is at this point. Like, please don't get delayed again. Uh, but right, it's out of my hands at this point. So. Yeah. Yeah, so you've had uh, you've had the UK release uh, with Galants, uh, and then you've got the ebook and audiobook in the US, and you've got a hardcover release on what day? Uh, June twenty third. June twenty third. So that's going to be your main US release, correct? Yep, that's the when the hardcover comes out. That's when like all the things like I'm an actual debut in the US right now because I'm not like in between like hey, my book's out, my book's not really out. It's like, yeah, little, it's Schrodinger's cat, but for debut authors. Yeah, exactly, and yeah, and and I'm I'm assuming you're. I know you've got some signed book plate editions at a local comic book store, right? Yeah. Um. So there's a place called Escape Pod uh, Comics. It's you can find it on my Twitter account. Um. And they're the, right now they're the only place that are doing signed editions of the U.S. version. I sent them book plates because I've known the guy for years. Um. And I'm I'm a customer of his. And he's like, yeah, of course, I'll buy your so I'm like, he's like, oh, what's the problem? Like Simon Schuster. He's like, oh, I'm already a partner with them. We're good. I'm like, delightful. Um, right now, I think all the gold throw editions that were also signed are sold out. Um, but I, I signed more book plates. I think they have more. I don't know. Let's see. Doesn't that make you feel good, though, to hear that something sold out? Oh, it was great. I know at least I sold 250 copies. Like, that's like. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's great like that, that i was like oh yeah it's sold out that's an awesome feeling I'm like yeah yeah and i mean so uh and, and you you actually uh i think you hit more like reviews your first week that i've seen a lot of debuts too so 
that's that's a pretty decent accomplishment yeah. too. I mean, you know, still the magic number's fifty, but uh, you'll get there. Yeah, I think I'm at like uh, high twenties, I think, or something at this point. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you're like mid to high. Yeah, not, yeah. Not too uh, not too shabby. Not too bad. I'll For not it, having like... a hardcover release yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, mean, that, I mean, that's just Kindle, and it's Kindle and, and early readers, so yeah, that's so... not too bad. Yep, I don't even I don't have no idea how many Goodreads reviews I have. I've been on there for a while. Don't don't go on Goodreads. <laughs> Goodreads. I like, don't, go, don't go on there. <laughs> wait, hold on. Do you want to hear my like? Want to hear my favorite my favorite thing? So this should come with no surprise. Some people have some very strong opinions about Michael, and every time I stumble upon a review that I'm, they're like, "Oh, I hate Michael." I'm like, "I'm sorry, that's the point, but it's okay." I go read reviews of the magicians. Have you ever read The Magicians? I have not. Okay. If you think a character's hated, go read Quentin Coldwater. People hate him with a, a fire of a thousand burning suns. <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm like, oh man, this like makes you feel better. I'm like, oh, it's not Quentin at least. Michael may be hated, but Quentin's hated. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't I can't say that I, I hated Michael. I just like, I just didn't, I didn't like him. And then I just kind of became infatuated with him. That's, but see, at the same time, I don't know if you've read the broken empire by Mark Lawrence. Like uh, yeah. I never liked Jorg, but like, I, I kind of like him now that I'm done with the series. Yeah. It's like, I can kind of see why he did the things he did. Now there's a lot of despicable things that he did, but I can kind of see why he did a majority of the things he did. Yeah, and Jorg, Jorg is one of those characters that fascinates me because you if you go into that series blind, I feel like you're just like, there's an actually a higher chance of you putting it down. Yeah. But if you know, like, oh, Jorg's a terrible person ahead of time, you kind of build up this like, all right, let's see how bad he is and let's yeah. see why he's hated. But Jorg is a fascinating character because he literally is a terrible, terrible human being. There is, I don't know if I think there's anything redeemable like no. i i struggled to find one um but he's fascinating because you it's like I, I, as a writer i'm always curious by by those voices i have no like familiarity with um one of the things we got to read when i was in college was juno diaz and he's a very uh like literary writer and most of his stories about relationships and a lot of the stories are actually about cheating in relationships and that is something that just like doesn't connect in my head but right having this like very experienced writer to try to do something so i'm like these characters are all terrible people but mm -hmm. i'm utterly fascinated because this is just something i don't understand like this is something my brain just doesn't like connect with and i'm like mm -hmm. how does how does this first happen like these are all terrible people i hate all of them but i'm fascinated by them yeah um so when i was creating michael maybe this is just like too much behind the scenes um that Michael Michael's whole thing was that he starts off very very immature. Like he is someone who has very like delusions of grandeur. He is someone who has been raised as like with all this pressure on his shoulders and has messed it up completely. He's like the prodigy who was never a prodigy but was raised like a prodigy. And it did some like mental stuff to him. And he doesn't have like role models really. He doesn't have like a good dynamic with his like family. He doesn't have like honestly really close friends he doesn't know how to have friends um so it's a lot of him growing up in this book like finally like figure out all right all right this is how like families work 
but he but he's very confident like you'll say the words like family looks after families like dude you don't know what family is like you don't know what friendship is at this point mm-hmm. like you're very much someone who says a lot of things because it's the right thing to say um but you don't know what the actions behind it are and that that's a very annoying thing to read but i think it's when i when you created like a like i remember when i was a teenager like i said all these things i'm like yeah i'm gonna do this thing my friends did too we we're like oh yeah we're all these things and as we grow up we're like why did we say those things that's like really embarrassing like stop. um yeah. and like the more time my my favorite thing is like i was an ra in college so i was the person taking care of all like the drunk people like if you made a mistake i was probably the one of the people who got called in so it'd be like how you doing? Like, you like you need some water. What's and going on, guys? Like, and they're like, I'm not drunk, and I'm like, you're literally on the floor. Like, I think you need some help. It's okay. We won't get you in trouble. Just here, drink some water. Um, and you have these a, a lot of these very like put together people most of the time who would do downright stupid things on the weekends. Um, but it was just like they didn't know how to regulate themselves, and everyone like goes through these things. We're like, oh yeah, this is how we do it. Um, yeah, but it was fascinating. Like I, I found the smartest people like in, in ditches in college from drunkness. Like it was just like you're just like, what are you doing? Um, yeah, it's it's like those people that uh, you know were kind of sheltered, you know, through like high school years, and as soon as like the reins are let off and they go to college, they have no idea yeah. like what to do, so they just kind of follow and yeah. end up making a lot of bad decisions. Yeah, it's and it's most freshmen in college, to be honest. Like, yeah, it, it, it is. It is definitely most. <laughs> it's, I, if I put a number on it, it'd be like eighty to ninety percent will make at least one stupid decision, and it's not even like these are just stupid decisions. Be like, oh man, you drank too much when you shouldn't have. And you're just like, don't do that again. Yeah. Used to, my 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 friends used to tell me about a guy who literally was like, I didn't black out this weekend. Gold star weekend for me. And you're like, like you hear that, and you're like, what are you doing? Right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's all about growing up. And Michael's whole yeah. thing is he's growing up for this book. And yeah. it's, keep up, sorry. Oh, uh, I was gonna say like his whole thing is about going from like a boy to a man. So this book is boy to man, and then the next book is man to hero, and then the next book after that is uh, hero to legend. So this is like the trajectory of Michael's. Of whole story and his family stories, him Spo- growing up. Alert. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so you were saying, uh, you're saying, you know, reading things about, uh, I guess, people's character and stuff, um, yeah. and kind of going, you know, these are terrible people, but they're very fascinating. So I just I read a collection by Nathan Ballingrude called North American Lake Monsters. I suggest you at least I give it a look. It. Yeah, um, it's a or anthology, um, but they're actually okay. uh, Hulu is uh, creating like a, I think it's an eight episode season uh, and potentially more based on it. Uh, but it's basically just stories of of like men uh, and kind of like it's like taking certain sins and attaching like almost like a like a monster kind of uh, not really an aura, but like it's basically like making them into monsters. But okay. all, but also kind of putting it like a like a like a horror setting. It's it's really good. I think it's yeah. eight or ten stories. Um, that sounds fascinating. He did, he did a similar he did a similar collection that came out last year uh, from your same publisher from Saga. Um, 
which I guess is gallery now, uh, called Wounds, and they did a uh, and Hulu did like a, a like a single movie based on one of the one of the okay. shorts called Wounds. Uh, but yeah, he he basically he doesn't do like the whole like shtick of like you know there's definitely a um, you know monster or a creature or something in this. It's all about humans and the decisions they make and you know how they affect everybody around them. They're really good. So yeah, I, I'd I'd say you know if you're interested in that and you know it may give you some ideas you know of how. Kingman catapults himself throughout the rest of it. If you you know get stuck in something, but yeah, if, if you need a, if you need another way to make him into a horrible human being, that's where I suggest you look there. Well, that's that's one of my favorite things that I'm slowly figuring out is like I bet if someone made bets on who of my characters end up bad people and so who end up good, they would get some of the wrong. Like either get a decent amount of the wrong. I probably should make people have people start making bets. Be like, who do you think is going to be the worst person in the book by the time the series ends? Just, just guess. Let's do a uh, little poll. Hmm. Let's do a little, little Twitter. Do a little Twitter poll. Everybody loves Twitter polls. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Your tweet may get five likes. Twitter poll, you'll get two or three hundred. I bet. <laughs> so, something about clicking that button, man. Everybody freaking loves it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it gets maybe it gets more like views. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how it works. No, I don't. Yeah. I don't know how algorithms work. I can't even talk. Uh, no, but yeah, no. I would. I would do a Twitter poll. Yeah, freaking. Okay. I did. I did the one for the Malice Buddy read, and man, like it went through the roof. And I'm like, nobody ever likes my like <laughs> actually like really good tweets based on this. I mean, don't get me wrong. Faithful in the Fallen is amazing, and John Glenn's yeah. an amazing writer, but like. I have some pretty good tweets that don't get any love. <laughs> well, I think it's actually something about, I think the algorithm actually responds to interaction rather than like Maybe views so. or anything. So like the more yeah. people interact with something, the more that, like then they put it in other people's feeds. I need people to start interacting with stuff. More. Well, that's, that's what I think it is because I notice things where I'm like, more people are interacting with this and more people are seeing, which obviously like retweeting stuff, but even just like right. liking things where like then other people will see it. I'm like, all right, this is interesting. I'm telling you, poll, do a poll. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's really what it's going to boil down to. Yeah, exactly. So, so can you talk at all about book two? Yeah, I'll talk about book two. Uh, book two book takes two. off, uh, takes, uh, takes place about a month after the events of book one. Uh, and it's the Kingdom family dealing with, uh, what ha- at the ending and what's learned and what's happened and um, it's essentially it is about a okay, well, let me phrase this correctly uh, without spoiling anything it is the Kingman family is dealing with a magical serial killer who is from various people's pasts in the book and it is very much the book where um my characters who do not have an idea how magic works suddenly figure out how magic works. And it has some really cool scenes where, like, I've maybe shown off like 10% of how the magic works right now. And now we get to see some like cool things where, like, this is kind of a spoiler, but whatever. Uh, like, people start delving into other people's memories. Okay. Ooh. So, like, the, the whole ma- memory magic system amplifies where people are like going into each other's memories and figuring out all right what actually happened and the twist in reality gets messed up even more so nice yeah look i i know we're we'll stay right there we don't want we don't want to get this full retail exactly it's it's very good um i'm really proud of this book 
it's um it's very exciting and i think it'll a lot of people will like it even if they hate certain other characters (laughs) (laughs) i gotcha (laughs) yeah um, well, I want to take a second to thank you for coming on and doing a reading from the Kingdom of Liars. I, I really loved the book. I obviously you know, got a review out like a day or two before it came out. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the UK release. Um, and obviously, I've got arcs of the UK and the US, and then I, I grabbed a uh, hardcover from uh, from the comic book store, so looking forward to that coming in. So, obviously, I'm a big fan. So, um Definitely, you know, we'll have you on as much as I can. So, um, yeah, exactly. And uh, and guys, like like you were saying, uh, it's currently available in ebook and audiobook in the U.S. and the U.K. And then obviously the hardcover in the U.K. Uh, and then U.S. Uh, hardcover will be out on June twenty third. Uh, and then we'll be looking, I guess, for a cover reveal towards the end of the year for book two. And then. Uh, Usually they like to do that like three or six months out. So, I mean, I know uh, Abercrombie just did the UK reveal for his second book. And his yeah, and his comes yeah. out in September? Yeah. Late September. So, yeah, so, so yeah. I don't know. When, well, the covers are, I have them on my phone. There's Chili. Or at least the mostly finished covers. So. Uh, somebody's going to hack that. <laughs> well, that was the dangerous part. Where somebody, somebody, love, somebody, you know, a lot of people love Richard Anderson. So, there's, there's a, Definite chance people are gonna be looking for it. It's terrifying because I'm like looking at the covers. I saved them. And I'm like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll post this picture. I'm like, hold up, is this the wrong cover? And I'm like double checking. Like, I can't accidentally tweet out my second book cover. I would like my publishers would have my head. So I gotta like actually stop looking. And be like, all right, red and black, right one, wrong one, right one, wrong one. <laughs> oh man. Well, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, like I said, this will this will go also on my podcast, Authors on Podcasting Books, where I also have another lovely chat with Nick. Uh, we did a couple of months ago before Mayday Con, uh, and so yeah, and then we'll we'll try to do this again at some point. Maybe maybe we can do a little bit for book two before uh, you know before or after the cover reveal, and then we'll you know do another chat before book two hits. So, so just thanks again for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Absolutely, man.